Thank you, Tim. <clears throat> Good morning, everyone. Um, I, I find it no surprise <clears throat> excuse me, that um, what the Lord has laid on my heart is, is going to follow and fit in so perfectly with uh, what you guys have been studying all week. So um, uh, I want to be talking about uh, living for the glory this morning. But uh, let me just pause for a word of prayer. Father God, uh, it, it is only by your spirit that we can understand your word, your, your action in life, your, your activity in the world around us. Uh, Father, cause me to stand in the shadow of the cross this morning um, and be glorified in all things. In Jesus' name, amen. What was it about David, um, King David, that from the Lord's vantage point, that God would say, this is a man after my own heart. What was it that God saw in David, in David's heart, that he said, that's a man after my own heart? What did he see? What was it about David? The rest of the congregation is being as quiet as the youth were this morning. Humility and innocence. Good, good. Now, yes, remember that when God made that statement about David, David was still a kid. He was young. He was a, he was a young guy. Faithfulness. Faithfulness. Good. I'm sorry? Tenacity. Good. Ooh, I like that. Turn back to God even after failings. Yes, we see that um, like with the, the whole Bathsheba debacle there. Um, or even more so, I, I really like that um, when David did the uh, census, he took it, you know, the Bible says that Satan enticed David to take a census. And even David's general, Joab, said, Dave, this is a bad idea, dude. Don't do this. Uh, he did it, and he paid the penalty. But if you go back and look at that, and I challenge you to do that, look at David's heart when, when, when he repented of that. What else? What made David a man after God's own heart? Ooh, he desired deep down to obey God. Yeah, to David, it was all about God. Please don't make noise. Yeah, uh, David was, was uh, fully committed to being obedient to God. Um, David saw who God was. Um, he saw God as this loving creator. He was taught by God out in these fields with a bunch of sheep. He looked to the heavens and he realized, you know, God is the creator of all of this. Um, and and he, he, please, Lord, Ha. David said something. This is a psalm of David that is actually not in the psalms. It's in 1 Chronicles. But he says something, and this gives us an insight into David's heart um, that that I'm going to be repeating as we go along. Uh, He says, Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all people. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. 
For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy in his dwelling place. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. I don't think these were just kind of nice words to David. That was his heart. And that, those, that first verse there, declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works to all the peoples. Uh, we, we want to be uh, looking at that. To, to, to look at the glory of God. The glory of God is the sum of his attributes and all that he has done. Uh, the glory of God is the, the sum of what God has done and, and, and who he is and his character. God's word tells us that God does all things for his glory. All his works, um, everything that he does, everything that he's, he's at work at is for his glory. Um, he makes that clear to us. He drives that point home. The first two commandments actually dan- uh, deal with that. Um, you know, the first one, you shall have no other gods before me. Don't, you cannot worship anything else. The, the second commandment, he says, I'm a jealous God. I am jealous for your praise. All glory comes to me. I created this. In Isaiah 42.8, God, in, in, a, in a very strong worded section, says to Isaiah, I will not share my glory with another. But yet, we see that that's so often man's nature is to do exactly that. Last week, uh, uh, Joe Caracappa in in, uh, communion was sharing about, you know, he, he said, we're basically rebels. People are basically rebels. Um, it started in the Garden of Eden. It's true today. Um, man will choose to act in rebellion against God. We will put ourselves at the center of the universe. Um, we, it, it's our nature to put us in the middle of, of, of all things. Now, God's word is, is really this, this, the whole Bible is the story of God and his plan of redemption. Um, it, it, it's our desire to, to it, it's our nature to act in rebellion. It's, it's in our genes. Um, putting ourselves in the center of the universe. But God created us for his glory. Um, but ever since the beginning, we have always had that tendency to make a substitution for God. Um, there's, a, there's a great line in the movie, The Ten Commandments, uh, that, that I really like. Um, it, it's where after the tenth plague, um, Yul Brenner is standing there, and he's got his, his, his son, his firstborn, who had died you know, because of the plague. And, and he's going to take his son, and he's going to lay him at the, the altar of this 
you know, carved, I don't know whether it was Ra or Horus or whatever god it was, um, and, and his wife, um, Queen, it was played by Ann Baxter, you know, she's this forlorn um, mom, you know, she, she, she's lost her son there, and, uh, and he's going over there, and she says, and I think what really catches my attention is she says it like somebody right out of the Bronx. Um, she says, that's no God. That's just a rock that somebody carved to look like a bird. He has no power. And yet, you know, he goes over and he lays his son there and, and, you know, and he starts worshiping. He's going to believe that that rock is going to bring his son back to life is, is what it is. And, and though it may be a silly scene, it's actually very depictive of the nature of man. Man will always put a, a, a substitution for God. He will, he will lay something else up there. He will worship, he will believe something else to get away from obedience to God. Because um, that, that really was the situation there. Um, in, in modern times, excuse me. Um, in modern times, I really believe that evolution has become that new means of a substitution for God. Um, Even though the natural world clearly does not, the natural evidence does not really support evolution. And and, um, I want to talk about that for just briefly. Um, Even though it doesn't, Man will cling to this. And I learned the truth of this a long time ago, <laughs> a real long time ago. Um, I, I've shared this a number of times in our small group. Uh, I was a student at, at Villanova. I was studying mechanical engineering. Um, <clears throat> I had to take a uh, chemistry class. I didn't do well with chemistry. I, I hated chemistry. Oh, no offense, Jay. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I wasn't doing well. Uh, in Chem 2, uh, I had... Uh, a, chemistry professor, uh, Dr. Dr. Edwards was his name, great guy, excellent, excellent teacher, Um, very patient man, tall, thin guy, I remember him well. He wasn't one of the regular chemistry teachers, he happened to be a biology teacher who was kind of filling in 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 a chemistry class, he was perfectly qualified, he was a a brilliant man. Um, I would stay after class frequently and question him about how can you believe in evolution? And it was the last regular class of the semester uh, before taking the finals. And, you know, the class was over. And I was talking to him after class because I, I would stay frequently after class to, you know, first to learn some of the concepts of chemistry, you know, that I didn't understand, like chemistry. Um, and, and he sat down at a desk. And, and he took out his pencil, and he started drawing on it, on, on here. And, and he said, well, you know, if you have this organism and this organism, and the two of them were to combine, you would have a, a, an organism that was more advanced than either of the first two. And I, I was looking over his shoulder, and I said, yeah, but they're different species. Do you really believe that that can happen? And, and he smiled warmly and, and kind of looked over his shoulder and laid the pencil down, and he looked up and said, well, 
that's all we have. And when he said that, you know, it, I, I got it. You know, it was one of those moments where, like, you know, the ceiling opened and the heavens parted and the light shone down and the angels sang the hallelujah chorus. I got it. This had nothing to do with science. This was a belief system. Um, and, and even though the evidence really was, was strongly against it, you know, in, in Darwinian evolution, um, Darwin makes the case that all of life is made of irreducible complexities. And, and what he meant by that was you, you have various systems, and if any one component were taken out of that system, the whole species, the, the, the whole uh, organism would fail. And, and what, what it really came down to... Um, and I wish I had more time to develop this thought, but um, what he said was life will advance in small incremental changes. And that's exactly what we do not see in the world around us. Um, and I don't really have the, the, the time to, to develop this, but um, what I do want to point out to, to, to you is... I'm a mechanical designer. I design things. Um, I have a, a tool sitting on a bench in work, brand new tool. Um, it's something rather unique. Um, uh, it, it, actually, I just got the patent on it the last week before last. By the way, parents, here's a freebie. If your child ever says to you, you know, what should I be when, when I grow up? The correct answer is patent attorney. <laughs> Don't even fool around with the, you know, you can be whatever you want to be. Go right for the gold, baby. Patent attorney. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it would be neat to think that I could walk in front of this bench and put a bunch of raw materials and a couple of components and put the stuff together, maybe wave a little electricity over them and, you know, have something pop out. Um, I don't spend a lot of time doing that. Nothing's going to pop out. But that is exactly... The, the way that evolution needs to work. Here's, here's my point in this, is that um, evolution would say, Darwinian evolution, I want to be specific, specific about that, would say that uh, a life form existed, uh, maybe just a, a, a simple form in, in water existed, and some sunlight came down and was shining on this thing. And in order for this thing to perceive its surroundings, it grew a pair of eyes and then wrote the genetic code inside of itself to reproduce it. Does that sound absurd? Yeah, it sounds absurd to me. I'm a designer. That is just offensive to me. I know what it takes to, to come up with something. Have you ever done the exercise of come up with a sixth sense? I don't mean the movie, you know, where the, the kid sees ghosts or whatever. I mean, come up with a sixth sense. We have five senses. You know, we have uh, sight, uh, hearing, uh, smell, uh, taste, uh, and touch. Come up with a sixth, think of something, a sixth sense. I've never heard anyone do it. 
um, is, is, as long as you know people have been challenged. Um, it, it can't it can't have any relation to any of the others. It can't use any of the features. It has to be totally unique. I've never heard anyone come up with, with anything. So here's my question that I ask as, as someone who designs things. Where did the concepts of these five senses come from? What designed them? What thought of them in nature? Um, what would have what would have generated these things if evolution were true? Um, science's answer, science's response to that, and I'm sure you've all heard it because it comes to us so subtly. Nature. Nature will figure out a way. Nature will find a way to make things. Oh, please. What is nature? What is this thing called nature? I'll tell you what nature is. Nature is acknowledging that there is a creator without giving him the glory due his name. That's what nature is. Um, not only did God create life, but he also created a world to sustain that life. You know, recently, in the past uh, 10, 15 years, um, there, there has been just a plethora, just an explosion of new discoveries about um, cosmology, or the, the universe that we live in, the world that we live in, um, the laws of nature. The laws of nature are so finely tuned as we're discovering to support the existence of just matter. It's inconceivable. Um, it, it's, it's getting to the point of ridiculousness of what it takes to actually have matter exist. Um, there's, I wish I had time to, to go through some of the laws. Uh, here's, here's a fun one for you. Uh, you can Google it later. Um, the cosmological constant. It was predicted by Einstein back in 1917, and then he scrapped it and said it can't exist. Well, as it turns out, in recent years, we're finding it. Um, laws of gravity. Um, I hope that wasn't a reminder that I'm running out of time. Um, laws of gravity uh, is, is so finely tuned, um, the, the strong and weak um, uh, nuclear forces that holds atoms together, if it were just slightly different, or if a proton or a neutron were just slightly different in size, why are they the size that they are? You know, these are just examples of, that, that we're all familiar with, but science is just accelerating in recent years at finding, I, I'm kind of strange, I follow that, that stuff, it's, I'm a little nuts, um, that it is just a miracle that matter can exist, that we have, particularly, it's amazing that we have anything more than the, the lighter elements, like hydrogen and helium. The, the fact that um, heavier atoms can exist. It's, it's unbelievable. It's miraculous. Um, and the fact that Earth is, surround, is, is running around a sun that is, the sun is actually a very amazing star. It's a very well-behaved star. Uh, it's a yellow dwarf as opposed to 80% of the stars are red dwarfs. 
Um, what that means is the light spectrum is toward the red end of the spectrum. Um, our star is a very balanced star in its light spectrum. That's the only way photosynthesis can occur. Um, the world is screaming creator. Um, the world, that, the, the earth that we live in, uh, its apparent age is perfect to support us right now. The moon, the moon is actually in a, in a miraculous place. If it were slightly larger, slightly smaller, slightly farther away, slightly closer, moving just slightly faster or slightly slower, it would knock the earth off of its axis. It would be disastrous. The whole world is finely tuned to support life. How does the world of science get around the fact that it's just overwhelming, the evidence is pouring, the world is shouting creator. Well, the popular theory today is there's actually an infinite number of universes. You know, it, it, universes are being uh, spewed out all the time, lots of parallel universes. And by coincidence, we just happen to be living in the right one. We just happen to be in the right universe. Um, I, I, modern man will always devise methods to come up with excuses for God, that, that, that he will not be responsible to God. But, you know, it, it, it's at the point where it's, it's practically ridiculous, um, the, the excuses that man will, will develop. I think God answers that well in Romans. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their, their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. And, and I think that, that that's the story of, of man today. All right, what does that mean to us, though, in, in Crossing Community Church 2015? Um, what, is, what is our takeaway from all of this? God built a miraculous universe. He built a, a planet and put it in exactly the right place in exactly the right kind of galaxy. We're, we're right between two arms of a spiral galaxy. As it turns out, um, it, the universe is actually a very hostile place to support life. If we were anywhere else, it would be unlikely that that life could go on. In, in recent years, we're, we're finding that um, even if life could start, which it can't on its own, we would still be alone in the universe. Even with billions of galaxies, with billions of stars, it's just the, the, the chances of this happening are just too close to zero. It is zero. Um, what this is shouting to us is we're here for purpose. We have a purpose for our life. 
We have one purpose and one purpose only. We are a reflection of God's glory. We are to live our life for the glory. David understood this. David recognized um, that, that all of life um, is to be lived for God's glory. When crises came, you know, we sang that song this morning um, that, that, about walking through the valley of the shadow. Yea, though he walked through the valley of the shadow. David said, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. When difficulties came, when challenges came, when threats came, David's prayer was, was open. I, I love reading the Psalms, his response to, to all these challenges, life-threatening challenges. Show yourself strong for your glory. Deliver me for your sake that I may tell your glory to the nations, that I may tell your wonderful deeds to all the peoples. David always put that in, in that context. It, when, when good times came, that, that first passage that we read, um, you know, David was between the Philistines on the west and the Moabites on the east. He had trouble on both sides. God delivered him from both sides. David's response is this beautiful praise, and, and he lives that way. How true of that, how true in our lives is that today? Um, when, when, when our lives, you know, when we've got the Moabites on one side and the Philistines on the other, um, are, are, are we that, that, do we have that heart of David? Could it be said of you that you've got a heart, you're, you're a person after God's own heart? Um, indicators that give away where our heart really is. Um, our prayer life, you know, is, is our prayer life that, that gimme list um, that, you know, we, we, we look at God like that, that genie, you know, we, you rub him the right way, you say the right words in the prayer, and you get the things that you want, you know, the prosperity gospel kind of a thing. Um, in, in our times of plenty, when times are good, does our attitude show, yeah, this is the way it's supposed to be. I deserve this. You know, I'm, I'm receiving what I deserve. Our worship time, um, is our worship conditional, uh, conditional on our surroundings? You know, we're, we're going to be seeing some, some changes here in the near future, but you know what? I, I like the old way better. Um, but yet, I understand that, you know, this is God's, and, and it's not all about me. Um, I, I'm not the future. My role is, is changing now, and I'm to be a supporter. I'm to be a, a mentor. I'm to be watching out for those who are the future. I, my time has slipped away, and I need to, clo- clo- to bring all this to a close. In Philippians 2, uh, verses 6 to 11, and I know we, we've heard this before, but it, to me, this is, this is huge. This just can't be said enough. Um, Paul writes about how Jesus uh, became obedient to death, even death on a cross. 
And he says how Jesus took our sins, nailing it to the cross. He took our sins and he leveraged our sin for God's glory. He took all that sin and collateralized it to bring glory to God. He, 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 he brought glory to God by taking all that sin upon himself. And when the, the, the king will die for the subjects, it says more about the king than it does the subjects. In John chapter 17, and, and we don't have time to turn there now because I'm already out of time, um, where Jesus prays his high priestly prayer. Um, take a look at that. <clears throat> Most of that prayer, go back and look at it, you'll see it's all about glory. You know, Father, glorify yourself as you've glorified the Son. And he's, he's making this, this, he's going round and round with this thing about glory. It's all about your glory, God. Um, he says, I was there in the beginning when you created all this. When you made this miraculous universe with a miraculous earth and created a miraculous life, I was there. And now we're going to take all this sin and we're going to redeem back all these people. And he starts praying for the believers. And that prayer is for you and for me. And you know what he says? Because I want them to share in our glory. Do you understand what he's saying? He wants us to share in this glory that is due him? I have a hard time getting my head around that. Um, All that glory that God gave Christ is ours. But what I want to say is be careful. Gang, be careful. Never bow your knee at the altar of evolution or any other type of thing that robs God of his glory. Tell the nations of the glory of this God. Tell his marvelous deeds to all the peoples. Don't get pulled into the junk of the world because it's just a substitution for the truth about God. Tell his glory to the nations. Let's pray.